Amen. Christ alone is greater than anything else that we faced this week that you brought in here this morning. It's good to be reminded, let, let him be the one that you're consumed by, that you're worshiping. Well, today is going to be a little different than our, our usual uh, Sunday sermons. You know, for most of the year, we've been doing a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and, and today we're taking a break from that. We're, we're going to be starting a new series next week, a small one, a four-week series through the Suffering Servant Songs of Isaiah. I'm excited to go back to the Old Testament and look at what uh, the prophet said about the Messiah 700 years before he walked on this earth. But uh, for this week, we're going to do something a little different. You know, so verse-by-verse studies are our preferred way to tackle the Scriptures because they let us develop the fullness and the richness of God's Word. They, they help us not skip over anything or, or avoid anything that might be controversial to our society. But there are times where we want to stop and pause on a specific idea or a specific theme that we see in Scripture and spend some more time on it. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Today we're going to be focusing on the the twin ideas of courageous evangelism and bold preaching. These are two of our six pillars that form the framework for how we as a church try to accomplish the mission that God has given us. And see, these pillars describe the kind of church and ministry that we aspire to be, the kind of church that we believe honors and glorifies the Lord. It's basically a, a framework, if you will, that it's, it's how we pass through all of our decisions that we make, the, the programs and the events that we do in order to accomplish the mission. And so over the course of the year, um, we've covered four of these six pillars. We've talked about passionate worship and fervent prayer and purposeful discipleship and compelling community. Today, as we knock out courageous evangelism and bold preaching, it's actually our last of the sermons in this series. We'll have covered all six of the pillars And the reason why we're taking today to study these two particular pillars is because they've been coming up repeatedly over the last few weeks. In fact, as we've been uh, stuck in, you know, parked in, I would say, not stuck in, but parked in Matthew chapter 10 over these last two Sundays, we've seen and heard Jesus modeling these for his disciples. He's sending them out to evangelize and to preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And in his ministry, he's been modeling these things for them, calling them to be courageous in evangelism and bold in preaching. What you need to know and understand is the Christian faith is very much a go and tell faith rather than a come and see faith. Jesus has trained up his disciples to go and train up disciples who go and train up disciples. That's how it's carried on through the years. That's what we're called to do today. These men were commissioned as ambassadors for Christ. They're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Well, do you know what an ambassador does? The job of an ambassador is to represent the interests of the one who sent them. Their words, their actions are meant to convey what the leadership of the country that sent them, right, in our modern day, in our political world, what the leaders of the country would want them to say and convey. So likewise, Jesus has called his followers to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. They go and they speak and they act in a way that represents what God wants. That's a pretty daunting calling if you think about it. But that is the one that God has given to us. He's given it to you if you call yourself a Christian. And so my hope is that as we study these two pillars today, that it would equip you for the task at hand. So I have a question for you as we get started. God has given you a mission. Are you ready to accomplish it? That's, a, that's a really not a good answer, guys. God has given you a mission. Are you ready to accomplish it? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, that's the, that's the heart that we want behind it. Let's talk about this. Now, each of these pillars has a passage of Scripture associated with it, right? We're not interested in what, what man says. We want to know what God says in his word. And he's the one who's giving us our marching orders. Now, frankly, there are Many passages that could be associated with these pillars, right? These are themes that we see throughout the Bible. But at the end of the day, we had to pick one. And so we've got one verse for each one of these. So let's study each passage. The first passage is for courageous evangelism, and it comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And I'll just say this, all of the passages that we'll cover today will be on the screen, but you're welcome to also follow along in your Bible. Here's what Ephesians 6, verses 19 and 20 say. And also for me, 
that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, we're dropping in at the end of a letter that Paul has written to the Ephesians. And so let me kind of develop the context of what we just read here. In this particular part of his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul is speaking to the church about the reality of spiritual warfare. And he's called them to stand firm in their faith by putting on the armor that God provides. And as we get to the end of that section, where we're reading here in verses 19 and 20, Paul says, pray. Persevere in prayer, not only for all disciples, but specifically for Paul. So if you look again at verses 19 and 20, Paul says, Please pray for me that I might have words given by God as I open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's what Paul is in chains for. This is a prayer for evangelism. And even though he's in prison, Paul is still burdened by the the need that people have to know Jesus. And so he's asking for people to pray for him that he would continue to open his mouth and share the hope of the gospel. That's the first passage and a little bit of its context. Let's look at the second passage. Look at bold preaching now. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Here's what it says. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now again, uh, the context for this is the church in Ephesus. So both of these passages kind of have a, a tie together. And in this case, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter now to one of his disciples, someone that he's trained up in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy happens to be the lead pastor at the church in Ephesus at this time. And one of the challenges that this church is facing is false teachers have crept their way in. And they've begun teaching false things. And so Paul's call here is a call to action. Timothy, rise up. He's encouraging him to confront the false teachers by preaching the word. He's calling, them, calling Timothy to rebuke those who won't listen to the truth. And he's calling them, or him, to exhort those who do want to obey and to follow the gospel. He's saying, encourage them, build them up. Now, this particular passage also comes at the end of the letter. And what it comes after is very important. Just a few verses before this, we are told that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's from God. It finds its origin in the Lord. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul's point is that God's word is sufficient for life and godliness. It's a reminder that his word speaks into all situations, whether it's to encourage and build up, or whether it's to rebuke and reprove and say, hey, come back to the right way of living. The point is that God's word is powerful. It's our source of truth. And that's exactly what a godly pastor like Timothy or a godly man or woman such as yourselves ought to be prepared to share with others. You must be ready. I must be ready at all times, in season and out of season, to preach or to proclaim these truths. And frankly, it means we need to know the people we're speaking to in order to apply those truths as needed in their situation, whether it's to encourage or whether it's to reprove and rebuke. Ultimately, we want to see them built up and God to be glorified. If you think about it, if you've been here over these last few weeks or months, these are the exact kind of activities that Jesus himself has been partaking in and calling his disciples to in the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, even last week, we heard in Matthew chapter 10 that the disciples were going to need to declare the truth publicly. That the truth must be known, and the truth will be known. That was the call that Jesus gave them. That they shouldn't let the fear of man dissuade them from the task of evangelism. The task of declaring God's word publicly and boldly. They were, in fact, called to trust in God as they faced persecution. And persecution was coming. It wasn't a question of if, but when. They were to trust in God because, compared to God... 
humans are powerless. Now, as you think about all of that, as you consider that, right, 21st century audience today, these teachings, these instructions, these examples that Jesus set were not just for the 12 that were hearing him at that time. It wasn't just for them and no one else. And in fact, it wasn't just later for the Apostle Paul and and his disciple Timothy and no one else. It wasn't just for the early church and no one else. It's not just for the leadership of this local church and no one else. I know these teachings, this calling, is for everyone who professes to follow Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a Christian. And so if you're here this morning and you would say, I follow Christ, this is your calling. You are to be an evangelist. You are to be a preacher of the word. And I want to point out that preaching doesn't just mean standing here in the pulpit like, we're, like I'm doing this morning. This is a public proclamation of the word. We'll come back to that in a minute. Here's the question you have to ask yourself. Don't you think it would be wise to learn about your calling? If this is what God has called you to, if this is what he's prepared you for and what he wants from you on this earth, Wouldn't it be wise to be ready and make sure that you know what what that looks like and how to do it? Are you ready to be an ambassador for Christ? And that's the goal of our time together today, to learn what it means to be an evangelist and be a preacher of the word. How do we do this, Lord? I think we all know that there are so many things clamoring for your time, clamoring for your affections. So many things that we could fritter away our life on that are far lesser pursuits. I don't, I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. I want you, when you stand before the Lord one day, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's what we're concerned with. And so with that in mind, let's discuss living out our faith. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to ask three questions today of what we're studying in the Word. First question is this, what are courageous evangelism and bold preaching? Right? You'll see these questions on your handout if you have it. But it's defining the terms. What are they? We need to understand them if we're going to be called to do them. The second question is, what do they look like? That's where we begin to put flesh on the bones and and see it lived out. We're going to be looking at the testimony of the early church for that. And then the third question, the last one we'll ask is, well, who does them? And this is really an opportunity to evaluate where we stand on these matters and to evaluate, are there ways that I need to grow and change on these issues? So let's start by defining the terms. What are courageous evangelism and bold preaching? Now we're going to go to the dictionary first. Here's what it says about courageous, and it's ever so, ever so helpful. Here's how the dictionary defines courageous. Having courage, right? Don't you love it when the dictionary is so helpful like that? I can't believe someone got paid to write that, you know? Okay, so that's not so super helpful. So what does courage mean? What is having courage? Here's how they define courage. The ability to do something that frightens one. Or strength in the face of pain or grief. All right, so now we're getting somewhere, right? So now we're starting to understand this is an attitude, this is a mindset that we are to bring into evangelism. And if you think about what Jesus taught in Matthew 10, it makes sense that we're going to need courage for this task. We know that persecution is coming. Opposition will be present, right? They're going to treat, the world will treat you like he, they treat Jesus. And how did they treat Jesus? They rejected him, and they crucified him. And so, again, it's not a matter of if, but when the opposition will come. And we read over and over again in Scripture that if you're a Christian and you're following Christ, you will face persecution. I want to share with you something else that Paul says in his letter to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, it's pretty clear. He says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So how many? Is it some? Most? All, right? All. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, which means if you are living for Jesus, if you're living out your faith, you will be persecuted. And since Christ calls you to evangelize, that means you're going to need courage for the task. So let's define evangelism. We haven't done that yet. Here's what the dictionary says about evangelism. Evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. By public preaching or personal witness, right? So there's the dictionary's definition. I also think it'd be helpful for us to hear from a Christian on this one. So I'm going to share Pastor Max Stiles' definition. 
He's known for evangelism. And here's what he would say. It's the teaching of the gospel with the aim to persuade. So pretty similar. The teaching of the gospel, in this case, though, with the goal of persuading someone, helping them understand this is the truth. Jesus is the way. You need to follow him. And so when you put these two words together, courageous and evangelism, here's what you arrive at. It's choosing to spread the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness, even though you're nervous or afraid, or even though you may suffer or will suffer for it. So there's a boldness, a courage that's present that keeps your mouth open in the words coming about the truth of Jesus. And since the gospel is the linchpin to all of this, right, we better make sure that we understand the gospel, that we're not talking past one another today. What is the gospel? And a few weeks ago, uh, I explained this in more detail, and I'm, I'm going to use the same format today to explain it, but it's going to be a little more brief. And so if you want to go back and listen to it in more detail, I think the sermon from two weeks ago is where we did this. But four main components to the gospel. The first one is this, God. Right? It's the understanding that there is a God who is overall, a creator who has made all things, including you and me. And he is perfect in every way. He is holy and without flaw. He's the source of truth. He, de- he declares what's right and what's wrong. And we need to worship him. We need to respond to him. So the second component to the gospel is man. Right? So we are created in God's image. He made us to worship and obey him. The problem is, is that we don't do that. We come into this world living for ourselves, um, being rebels against God's standard of perfection. We, we have disobeyed, and, and the king of the universe has to respond to that. He's righteous. He's just. He has to judge our rebellion. All right, so this is a big problem for us as humans. We are not right with God. We're separated from God. We need someone to help us, which is where Christ comes in. God sends his only son, right, to this earth to live a perfect, sinless life. And then to go to the cross and to bear the wrath of God for the people of God. Jesus lived the life that you could not live and took on the penalty for your sin. He was sinless and bore the wrath that was meant for you so that you could be saved. It's amazing. But that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus demands a response. That's our fourth component of the gospel. It's the response. Every man or woman, every boy and girl has to respond to what Christ has done, to our separation from God. And so one response would be, yeah, Lord, I agree. I am a sinner. I have rebelled against you. I need you to save me. I can't do it on my own. No amount of good works will earn my way. That's, that's called faith in Christ. That's repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. The other response is to say, you know what, God, I, I think I'm good. I've got this on my own. I'm a pretty good person. Surely that's got to count for something. I don't need you. I'm not, I'm not a sinner. Right? But yeah, Jeff, you're right. That, that's, not, that's not correct. That's not how God sees it. And so our response is of the utmost importance. We must place our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the gospel message that we are called to share and to spread through courageous evangelism and bold preaching, public proclamation of the word. It could be in a large group setting like we're doing right now, or it could be one-on-one as you open up your home and invite someone in for a meal or for a coffee, or as you get together in a coffee shop, or in the the break room at your workplace. All of those are possible to be evangelism if you're intentionally sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what must be present. You're calling that person to respond to what Jesus has done, to believe in Christ. And I would argue that all of those are equally important in, in spreading the gospel across the world. It's not just preaching from the pulpit that is the most important. We each must be the hands and feet of Christ in our spheres of influence. And so we'll come back to that, to the spreading of the faith. Let's go to the second pillar and define that. What is bold preaching? Well, bold means confident and daring. 
or courageous. So there's a lot of similarity there to our other word. Pretty straightforward. How about this? Preaching. Here's how the dictionary defines preaching. It's delivering a religious address to an assembled group of people, similar to what we have here, or to publicly proclaim, again, a religious message. Somewhat helpful, right? I mean, it's the proclamation of a religious message to an assembled group or to be in public and proclaiming it, whether it's one or more people. I think it'd be helpful, again, to hear from someone who follows Christ. And so I've been reading this year a book by the title of Reformed Preaching by Joel Beakey. Um, It's been really encouraging to my soul. And here's how he would define preaching. Preaching is using the truth of Scripture to shine the glory of God into the depths of the soul, to call people to live solely and wholly for God. So you're, you're taking God's Word and you're shining it into the depths of someone's soul, God's glory penetrating their hearts and helping them see that God is calling them to live only for Him. And if you go back to the passage that's associated with this pillar, 2 Timothy 4.2, the word for preach is keruso, which means to make known or to proclaim aloud. And the content of what you're making known or proclaiming aloud is the word. It's the word of God, not your opinions, but God's word. This is the word that Paul told Timothy just a few verses earlier is breathed out by God. Its source, its origin is from him, and it's good for teaching and correcting and reproving and equipping you for anything that you need in life and godliness. That's what we preach. That's what bold preaching is to be about. And it's delivered in a way that doesn't back down in the face of opposition or when people are against you for it. I think we could probably all resonate with being in a situation in our lives where we know that if we say what God wants us to say, that it's going to cause some friction in that relationship. It's going to cause some tension. And in that moment, we have to decide, am I going to let fear control me, or am I going to let the love of God's word and, and a desire to see this person know truth control me? It doesn't matter how they respond. I know that's easier said than done, believe me. I need to grow in that. But we're called to allow Scripture to shine the glory of God into that person's heart, that it may call them to live wholly for God. And that's an awesome calling. What a weighty calling that we've been given as Christians. And so as you think about these two twin callings, right, courageous evangelism and bold preaching, these are for everyone, who follows Christ, not just the select few, but for everyone. These come as part of our commission, right? Jesus has given us a commission to all of his followers to make disciples of every nation. That's why the Great Commission is an essential part of our mission as the church. We find that at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. I'll remind us of it. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, here's what Jesus said. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, right? Go and tell, not come and see. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's your calling as a Christian, to share the truth of the gospel far and wide, with peoples from every tongue, tribe, and nation, and to do it with boldness and confidence, not with fear. Now, I think it's important for us to realize that boldness and that confidence is not based on your circumstances. It's not based on your current emotional state. It's not based on whether you have been blessed to be a naturally bold or courageous person or perhaps a a meek and mild person. This boldness and this confidence finds its roots in the character of God and His promises and His Word. If you look at the Great Commission, what does it start with? Jesus says, all authority has been given to Him. And guess what He does? He says, I'm sending you out in my authority. And so as you are proclaiming this gospel boldly, you're not doing it with your own authority. You're doing it with the authority of Christ. It's His mission that He's given you. And at the very end of this, He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a wonderful promise. As you go and as you speak the truth in love, you're not alone. God is with you. He is empowering you. You have tremendous resources on your side. 
as you seek to glorify God in this area. So here's the question then that you have to ask yourself. Am I seeking to obey God in these areas? Am I personally seeking to obey God in these areas? Right? With whom am I actively sharing the gospel? I would encourage you to write that down in your bulletin. With whom am I actively sharing the gospel? And if you can't put a name there, there's some homework for you. Right? Identify someone that you're going to begin to minister to and proclaim the truth to. Another question that I think you should write down and ask yourself, what truths from God's word have I been rehearsing to myself? Right? So just like everyone else needs to hear from the word of God, so too do I. So what truths am I meditating on? What truths am I allowing to shine the glory of God into the depths of my heart that I might live solely and wholly for God? And then, as you've answered that, then to think, well, what, what truths am I sharing with my family, my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors, whoever God has put in your sphere of influence? What are the truths that you're bringing to bear on their lives? I think that would be good homework for all of us. So we've defined the terms. Let's begin to flesh it out. What does it look like? So that's the second question. What do they look like? And we're going to turn to the scriptures and specifically look at the example of the early church for this. So as the immediate recipients of the Great Commission, there's a lot to learn from how they began to walk that out and live this out in the the early days of the church. So if you'd like, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. Uh, In your Bible, we're going to be picking up in Acts chapter 2. And I'm just going to share a few passages through the early chapters of Acts to show how the church responded and applied what we're talking about here today. And what you're going to see is uh, in this first passage, the church is growing exponentially. And the reason they're growing exponentially is because God is working through bold preaching and courageous evangelism. The early church was faithful to obey God in these things. They called people to repent and believe in Christ, and God worked through that. So go ahead, turn to Acts 2. We're going to be in verses 37 through 41. And I want you to know as we get into this passage, this is coming right after Peter has preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost. Here's what he says, or here's what the text says. Now when they, that's the crowd, when they heard this, Peter's sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children, and for all who were far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's amazing. God works through the proclamation of his word. As these people were faithful to be courageous in evangelism and bold in preaching, God responded to that and many were saved. They were obedient. That's a good lesson for us to learn. Now the second passage is in Acts chapter 4. So go ahead and turn there to Acts 4. We're going to be in verses 29 through 31. And this passage comes after the disciples have been arrested for preaching. Right? So Jesus said, hey, persecution is coming. If you live for me, you will be persecuted. And guess what? It's here. And so once the men have been set free, listen to how they pray. This is what we're going to hear, their prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So as these men are persecuted for their faith, their public proclamation of the word of God, did they cower? Did they hide? No. They prayed for boldness. God, help us to keep speaking your word. Help us to open our mouths and proclaim the truth boldly as we ought to speak. The final passage is in Acts 5. Uh, this is the next one that I want to show you. It's, again, after the disciples have been arrested. So they didn't get just arrested once. They got arrested multiple times for proclaiming the gospel. 
This is Acts 5, verses 40 through 42. And I want you to listen to what happens to these men. After they've been put on trial, uh, they're, they're beaten, and they're told, stop talking about Jesus. Listen to how that goes. Acts 5, 40 through 42, it says, When they had called in the apostles, that's the Jewish religious leaders, they beat them and charged them to not speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. And then they left the presence of the council. Now what happens next? Do they run off and start hiding and cowering in fear and close their mouths? No, not at all. It says, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. There's courageous evangelism and bold preaching and living technicolor in the early church. Persecution comes, they keep, they keep sharing the truth. They know that these people need to hear about Christ. They need to know him. They need to hear about it no matter the cost. Right? And it costs these men, it costs the early church a lot. That persecution does not slow down or stop. And as you continue to read through the, the book of Acts, eventually you're introduced to a man by the name of Saul. Right? And in Acts chapter 3, or Acts chapter 8, rather, verse 3, here's what we read about Saul. He's a man who's rising up to lead the persecution of the church. It says, Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women, and committing them to prison. And that happened right after he had overseen the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Things are heating up for the church. Things are intense. Suffering is at their doorstep. But listen to how God uses that. Turn to Acts chapter 11, if you still got your Bibles open. Acts 11, verses 19 through 21. Here's what happens as a result of that persecution. It says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. Right? So the gospel is spreading. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. There it is. God's sovereignty working through Saul's persecution to spread the gospel, to send people who would speak who would open their mouths and share the hope of Christ with those who needed it so badly. That's what courageous evangelism and bold preaching looks like. And again, we know, as we read through Acts, that God's plan was also to save Saul and to use Saul as a mighty evangelist, a mighty preacher of God's word. This man is the man who would later write that letter to the Ephesians and write that letter to Timothy, who had been transformed by God's grace He's responsible for a large portion of the New Testament. It's an amazing story of God's grace. We ought to be floored by it. And what I want you to do now is to hear Paul's own testimony about how he was willing to suffer for the sake of sharing the gospel. So moving from a persecutor of the church to a proclaimer of the gospel. This comes in Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known. That's his stewardship. That's what he's been called to. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. He says, to them... God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So Paul's message is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He wants to proclaim Christ to everyone. His goal is to see 
everyone mature in Christ. As he labors towards that goal, Paul does that with the energy that God provides, with the strength that God provides. Again, this is a fabulous testimony of God's grace to change this man who was a, a rebel and a hater of Christ to a man who was living, sold out for Jesus to proclaim the message, no matter what the cost was, that people might be presented mature in Christ. That's a testimony of grace. Is that your testimony? If you're here this morning and you have been brought from being a rebel against God into his family as an adopted son or daughter, is this your mission to see everyone presented mature in Christ? Or are you living for some other lesser mission? What's driving you if it's not the spread of the gospel? This is what we have been called to. And those are some serious life-altering questions that you really have to wrestle with. What is my mission? What am I living for? Do I desire to see everyone mature in Christ? Unless you say, well, that's Paul. I can't be like Paul. First, yes, you can. Paul was an ordinary, sinful human being who was redeemed by grace. God's grace was sufficient for him, and it's sufficient for you. And we even read in Paul's own letters, he calls people to follow him as he follows Christ. The expectation for them was that you can be like Paul, because Paul's ultimately trying to be like Jesus. And if you think, well, that still seems pretty daunting, let me share with you some stories of other ordinary men and women who have been obedient to God's call in their life and have been used to preach and evangelize many with the gospel message. In fact, if you've never taken time to read a biography of a Christian missionary, I want to encourage you to make that maybe a, a goal for the end of the year, before the end of the year, right? To take time to read or learn about at least one uh, person of the faith who has, has been used by God in this way. And so a couple of recommendations towards that end. There's a great series called Christians Here, Christian Heroes, Then and Now, um, which is a great, this introductory series, very easy to read, to, to meet real people who understood this call on their lives, who lived out the call to proclaim the gospel boldly. And they're ordinary men and women, people like you and me, but people that said, yes, I'm going to obey. I had the opportunity to read the biography of William Carey in this series, and um, it was really, really encouraging to me to hear how this fairly uneducated man I think he only completed through like sixth grade of his education, was used by God to raise up and, and basically start the modern missionary movement. Uh, so he was convicted as he studied the scriptures that, man, this gospel message is for all people, people from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. And that was not a common thought in England back in those days. And so he led his church to start the first missionary society. And he asked them to send his family to India so that he could proclaim the gospel. And that's what they did. And he spent his life there proclaiming the gospel at a great personal cost to himself and his family. Very powerful. And it's an awesome testimony of what God can do with ordinary people who are obedient to his call. And if you would say, well, hey, I'm not much of a reader. Uh, you got anything else? Yes, I do. I came prepared for you. So if you're not much of a reader, but you still want to learn, I would encourage you to watch the Torchlighters Heroes of the Faith series. That's a video series that's on Right Now Media. And again, it's, it's kind of geared towards uh, children, but I'll be honest, I love them. They're really, they're really neat to, to listen and hear. Um, and we have that. Right now, media is free to anyone who attends our church. So if you haven't set up your account, please email the church office or call in, and we'll help you get that set up so you have access to that for free. The point, though, is that these two pillars that we're talking about, courageous evangelism and bold preaching, they look like ordinary people being intentional to do what God has called them to do, being faithful to share the word of God. And that can happen over a cup of coffee as much as it can happen through a small group meeting. That can happen by opening up your home and inviting others in to break bread with them, being intentional in your conversation as much as it can happen in the workplace, in the break room. It can happen as you share with your children of their need for Christ as they are stuck in sin. And it happens as the pastor team and I preach the word from the pulpit Sunday. The point is is that you are to proclaim the gospel. You, me, we are to proclaim the gospel. 
Our aim is to convince or to persuade others of their need for Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that apart from him, there is no hope of redemption and reconciliation with God. And I think we often make that whole interaction a lot harder than it needs to be. We are all broken people. Every single one of us. We are all looking for answers and for hope. Why am I here? What's my purpose? God, what, what is this universe about? And you, as a Christian man or woman, you have the answers. You know Jesus Christ. You know the one who has come to rescue and redeem. You know the one who has made you and who has given you purpose. And you have it right here in his word. So don't overcomplicate this. Open your mouth and share the hope that you have that others so desperately need. Tell them about Christ and his rescue and redemption. How can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone preaches the good news? And the answer is they can't and they won't unless we're faithful, unless we're obedient. God has chosen to use human ambassadors to spread the gospel. All right, so we've defined the terms, kind of seen a bit of what they look like fleshed out in real life. Now our last thing to evaluate is, well, who does them? And I think I've already made the point, hopefully, that it's ordinary men and women like you and me who do them. And so I don't want to necessarily belabor that point. These aren't for super saints. They're for everyone who follows Christ. But rather what I would like to talk about are some of the characteristics of someone who is obedient to this calling. So a few things come to mind here. Who does them? Those who have been affected by the love of Christ. Those who have been affected by the love of Christ. You see, courageous evangelism and bold preaching is an outflow. It's a response to the love that you've been shown already in Christ. When you understand what Jesus has done for you through his death, burial, and resurrection, it's not a burden to share that with someone else. We want to tell them about how great the Lord is and the the hope and the freedom they can have in Christ. And I appreciate the wise words of of Pastor Mark Dever. He has a little book called The Gospel and Personal Evangelism. And here's what he says about this particular point. He says, this good news of Jesus Christ is crucial. And until you recognize that, I can say nothing helpful to you about evangelism. It will be no more for you than an unpleasant duty or an occasional impulse. When the message of the cross captures your heart, Then your tongue, stammering, halting, insulting, awkward, sarcastic, and imperfect as it may be, won't be far behind. As Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so he so wisely asked, what is your heart full of? And what do you spend your words on? Ouch! Right? What are we speaking about? What are we using our time? What are we consuming and, and, and spitting back out? Again, if we understand how much Christ has done for us, it should provoke a a deep response of a desire to share that with others. There's freedom in Christ. Do you remember the words of the songs you sang earlier? Did you mean them when you sang them? Let me remind you. I'm not going to sing them to you. I won't torture you in that way. But let me just remind you of some of the lyrics of what we sang earlier. So the song, All I Have is Christ, we said this. But as I ran my hellbound race, Indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. Now, Lord, I would be yours alone. And live so all might see the strength to follow your commands could never come from me. Oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose. And let my song forever be. My only boast is you. Did you mean that when you sang it? And that's not the only song you sang, by the way. Let me remind you of what you said in Living Hope. Here's how Living Hope goes. He says, who could imagine so great a mercy. What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, 
I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Did you mean that when you said it? Does that provoke a response of wanting to share the gospel in you? I could go into Jesus, you alone, but for the sake of time, I won't. But I would encourage you to go back and read the lyrics of that song and consider that you sang those. Did you mean them? All of those words are powerful. They, they all should provoke us to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ by being bold in our preaching and courageous in our evangelism. And so if you meant those words when you sang them, I would encourage you this week to live them out. Be a doer of the word. Share the hope that you have with someone. Well, who does them? Also those who understand the eternal implications of not doing them. So if you think back to Jesus' life and ministry, even what we learned in the Gospel of Matthew, right? When he sees the crowds, he has compassion on them. He understands that they need a shepherd. They need a good shepherd. That eternity is at stake. And so he is going to help them understand that he can reconcile them with God. And throughout the whole Gospel of Matthew, heaven and hell have been present. We can, we can see those concepts over and over again. Eternity is at stake for every human being. And so we must open our mouths and share the truth of God's word. Well, who does them? Those who are obedient to Christ. You know, evangelism and preaching are not only an obedience issue, but they are an obedience issue. Jesus has clearly commanded this of those who follow him. And so the question that, that you and I have to wrestle with is, will I obey? Or will I continue to disobey, to rebel against God in this area of my life? That's an important question to wrestle with. Last one, who does them? Those who want to glorify God. You know, we're told that all we do is to be for the glory of God. Right? That is the ultimate point of the universe, is God's glory. He is the most glorious being and completely worthy of that glory. And so at the end of the day, Sharing this gospel, it's an act of love, an act of obedience that's driven by our desire to see God glorified, to see him exalted. That's our our purpose here on earth, to glorify the Lord. And as we live that way, what that does is it produces an incredible joy in us, an incredible fulfillment as we are fulfilling the very reason for which God has made us. And we have the, the awesome privilege of seeing Deaf ears unlocked, blind eyes opened, hard hearts softened, and it is an amazing thing to be on the front row seat of that and watch people be adopted into the family of God. And as someone who has had the privilege of sitting on the front line of seeing marriages restored or, or broken relationships reconciled or uh, sin, sinful addictions overcome, I want to tell you it is so sweet to see God at work, right? He uses his word those who are faithful to proclaim his word will see fruit. The prophet Isaiah says that God's word never goes out and comes back empty. It always accomplishes the purpose for which he sends it. That is a great promise for us. If you are faithful to open your mouths and take the time to share God's word with others, God will use you. He will accomplish the purposes that he intends in those interactions. It's a guarantee. It's a pretty sweet promise. And so if you're here this morning and you are content to not read God's word, to not allow it to affect your life, then I want to call you to repent of that. That is sinful. You are on a path that will not end well. Right? And I love you enough to say that because God calls you to be a student of his word and to speak it to others. And if you don't take it seriously for your own life, you will not be faithful to share it with others. You can't. So, so get that handled first. If you're here and you are faithful to know and study the word, but you struggle with the idea of, man, you want me to open my mouth and, and say something about that to others, I want to encourage you to cry out to the Lord on that one. Right? He has called you to be bold and courageous. So he's not going to leave you hanging on that. If you struggle with the fear of man, confess that. Ask God to help. Those are prayers that he delights to answer. And if you're here this morning and you are faithful to open up the word for your own life 
and also you're faithful to share it with others, then praise God, right? You should be rejoicing that the Lord is at work in you. Not look at how great I am or you are, but how great God is, that he would work through sinful people like us. And I would encourage you to take some time to really make sure you're doing those things for the right reasons, not in your own strength, but in faith in Christ. Not for your own glory, but for the glory of God, right? And let's keep, let's keep going. Don't grow weary of doing good. Keep pressing on. And if you would say, well, I honestly don't know where to begin. Frankly, this seems a little overwhelming. Then I want to encourage you to talk to your small group leader, right? That's why they're there. They're there to help and, and to encourage and equip you. And frankly, what that's going to let them do is have an opportunity to open up God's word with you. Both of you will grow through that. It'll be a marvelous process. And if you think, well, shoot, I'm not even sure that I'm a Christian. Let's talk about that too, right? Come find me after the service. Let's, let's set up a time to grab a coffee. Let's t- time to grab a meal together. Share whatever questions you have. Share whatever hindrances you feel like are, are there. And let's just talk about what it means to have faith in Christ. And here's where I want to land the plane. I know this sermon's been a little longer than normal. Please imagine this. Imagine the incredible transformation that would take place in our church and in our community and in our world if all of us were committed to bold preaching and courageous evangelism. Right? Are you willing to commit to doing that? to being obedient to the call of God. Will you grow in these areas? And then to stir up your brothers and sisters to the same. Let's pray that God would do a work in us, a work in our church, a work in our community, a work in our state, a work in our nation, a work in our world in these areas. Would you bow your heads as I pray for us? Jesus, we just come before you right now and we are so thankful that your word is so clear on what we are called to do. And Lord, frankly, the responsibility now is placed on us. We are to respond to what you have given us as your clear instruction and teaching. And we confess, Lord, that that we are often fearful. Uh, We're often distracted. We're often occupied with other lesser things. And, And I say that as much for myself as anyone else in this room today. And so we just cry out to you for for conviction to change. Thank you for making it abundantly clear what you want from us and and what you promise to do if we are faithful to open our mouths and share the hope that you have provided. May we get after it, Lord. You've put each of us in, in people's lives. We know that there are family members or friends or coworkers or neighbors who don't know the Lord and who are right now perishing apart from Christ. We don't want that for them. We love them. We want them to have the hope of eternity with you. And so would you help us to be bold and to love them, even if they hate us for it, even if they they push us away. Lord, you are so good. You are so worthy of our praise. May we live out this year bold in our proclamation of your word. And to you be the glory, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship our God.